Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us to misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. Mm. Did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. So we're talking about a second inventory here, guys, what Nancy's now reading to us. The first one we just spent a bunch of time talking about is the resentment inventory, right? But there's three total we're going to do. We're going to do resentments, and we're going to do fears, and then we're going to do sex slash personal relations. So now we're on to a second one, right? Same columns we're going to read about, but a slightly different thought process to dig this stuff up, to unearth mm -hmm. it. So... I was, when we read this paragraph here, too, it says it is, was an evil and corroding thread. The mm. fabric of our existence was shot through with it. So the definitions of words have changed over the years. In 1939, the word shot had a different definition than we're accustomed to today. And I'm on a hunt right now to get a dictionary from 1939. My father was 89 years old. I found them on Google and Amazon, and um, they're not what I want exactly. But let's look at the word shot from 1939 in, in the dictionary. It means permeated to spread throughout. The mm. fear is spread throughout. Uh, it's infused or permeated with a quality or an element. See, what Bill's doing here, he's painting a picture with the word shot that it is infused in us, permeated through us, this fear. It is leading, it is dragging us around. Fear is bracketed with stealing. Is it possible that stealing is a conscious decision? It's fear a conscious decision, but it's the only emotion that I even can get. When I am threatened, fear comes to the forefront of my mind immediately, a fight or fight, things like that. But I, I just, I love that, you know, Bill's using words here that we don't use the same today. And I, I heard this on a speaker tape a long time ago. That's why I had to look up this definition and Google it. It is spread throughout us, this fear. It is permeated through us. It, it is infused in us. That's pretty strong language. Well, and I think a good example of how this sets in cycle these, these things that happen too. Say, for example, we're going into a party and I'm afraid nobody there is going to like me. Mm. I'm going to go in that with an entirely different attitude than I would if I was just going to meet some interesting people and have a nice time. Mm. But if my fear is taking over, that's the attitude I'm bringing in. And that's going to be reflected in my behavior and the way I interact with people. And generally, it's not going to go well. So just an example. Okay. Here's what we're doing. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. So that's the why and the how of it, because it says, why do we have these fears? Is because self-reliance was not good enough. That's why I have these fears. And then it says later on in that paragraph, uh, some of us had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem. Again, I can't feel fear unless I'm threatened. And what's in the third column? 
my self-esteem, my security, my ambitions, my personal relationships, and my sex relations. All those things are threatened. Mm -hmm. See how it all ties together? Same format. We're just looking for the different ruts of it, you know? Instead of, I'm resentful at, what am I afraid of? And it's all those things that Nancy talked about, like interpersonal fears, right? No one's going to talk to me at the party. I'm never going to get married. You know, I'm going to get left. You know, my people are going to die. I'm afraid of lions. I'm afraid of heights. Everything. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Everything. Because all those decisions, it's the same thing, resulted in us making decisions based on self. Right? Just like we talked about in the earlier pages, and it's being brought up again here. Decisions based on self. Now we're just calling it self-reliance. Same thing. Self-will run riot. You know, I'm a, a, I'm a, go ahead, go Nancy, ahead. please. No, 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 please. Ladies first. This is just so straightforward, though, too. Why do we have fears? Here's your answer. It's because self-reliance failed us. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, there, there really isn't a lot more explanation. You know, I'm afraid I can't handle life on my own. That's not my job. That's it. And along the lines of what Nancy's talking about, if I take that same scenario and take it to work, fear that I'm going to be accepted at work. You know, I'm afraid. How about fear of acknowledgement of a great job I did? Because now I have this fear that you're going to expect that from me every single day of my life now. It's like, oh my God. It's like, this is great. See how fear is actually a conscious decision? It's like, oh my God. It is dragging me around. Yeah. Okay, perhaps there is a better way. We think so, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. Just to the extent we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? That's a promise there. That's a four-step promise. And, and that example of that, I was told, I heard a speaker a long, long time ago. I, I, I hit the snooze. I was supposed to get up for work at 6 o'clock. I got up at 6.10. I'm running late. And I forgot. I told my wife I'm going to pick up milk before I left for work. So I was really supposed to get about 10 to 6. And then on the way to work, I get a flat tire. And, dude, that would throw me to a freaking tizzy, right? But as simple a thing as that, I can meet calamity with serenity. Just slow down a little bit. I'm going to do the, I'm going to rely upon God because he is, he's infinite. I'm finite. I don't have the ability to do these things on my own. How about the next time I learn a little lesson and my say I'm going to get up at 10 to six, I get up at 10 to six or I go out and get milk the night before. But if these things happen and they will happen, I will get a flat tire or something will happen to me. I can meet it with calamity or I can meet it with serenity, not just calamity. Like the whole world is coming down around me. It's not like that. It, we're getting the same message here, guys, as back on 62, right? When we brought up, we, we cause our own problems, right? All of our self-will. So what's the alternative? Alternative's God, right? Get out of the way. Same thing here. We're talking about, oh, we've got all these fears. Why do we have the fears? Because of self-reliance. So what's the alternative? God-reliance, right? Trusting infinite God rather than our finite selves. So the same thing we've been seeing all along. These are not new ideas that just come and go. We're getting beat over the head with them. So make sure we really get them and, and believe them. Mm-hmm. Well, and my biggest fear was always that things aren't going to go my way. <laughs> you know, it's that self-centeredness again. Mm-hmm. 
We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. Mm. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be that once we commence to outgrow fear. There's a prayer and a promise. Mm. Okay, so that's the end of the fear inventory. Does anybody have any questions about that or comments? Same structure, guys. Four columns, right? Really the biggest change is that first column, listing fears instead of resentments. So we know there's also prayers after, from the third step on throughout the book. And what we've talked about so far in the third step, we know the third step prayer because we're going to end our meeting with the third step prayer. It's a selfless prayer. Today we've learned the resentment prayer, the fear prayer. We're going to get to the, there's two sex prayer, three sex prayers. There's all kinds of prayers throughout the book, things that we can pray to. When they start with he or God or something like that, then we know that these are prayers to go to God with. So I'll stop there because there's more, but maybe I'll touch on them next week when we get in the fifth step with prayers they are. But it's kind of neat just to know this stuff. Okay. Is the sex prayer, oh, God? Yeah, <laughs> it is. But a little more, a little more enthusiasm, please. You're killing me. You didn't want to get too weird. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's read. Now about please. sex. Many of us needed an overhauling there, but above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? But I think when I look at this, so I'm going to have, if I've had sex problems in the past, and I have, just let's be honest with it, right? I mean, I'm inevitably going to have sex problems in my future if I'm not aware of these things. And this is why we're going to do this inventory here, because these are, it's actually a relationship inventory too. It's not just, you know, because I heard a, I heard a speaker say this one time, dude, you're not going to share your whole uh, sex uh, life with me. Because I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you tell your sex history to my mom. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's not what this is about. You know, about how great you were and all these other freaking things or how many women or men or whatever. It's not about that. It's about these problems I have with human relationships. That's right. And inevitably, I'm going to have these in the future, too, if, if, I, if I don't. Because it's blocking me from the sunlight of the spirit. God's going to take these from me. When I get, I, I have plenty to give to God in seven plenty of stuff here to give to God so much to give to God in seven 
You know, I heard a speaker talking about this too, and they said, you know, this was written in the 1930s. They're not talking about sex like a verb. You know, they said, right, that's right. How right. do I use being a woman or being a man to manipulate situations? And we all do that, you know, and I think it's important to look at that too. Pursuing, pursuing partners that we knew were going to go nowhere, right? Yeah. Going back, right, always dating the same kind of men, always dating the same kind of women, you know, and wondering why they always turned out the same way, those relationships, right? Yeah. But there's also things like, oh, I'm just a girl. I couldn't possibly change a tire or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a guy. I have to be in charge. You know, whatever it is, those sex stereotypes that kind of mm -hmm. get lost inside of us that we mm -hmm. grow up with and that we use, you know, because we can work it. Let's not, you know, let's not kid. Yeah, I think I think the word Nancy used manipulation is a really important mm -hmm. one to, to, to keep in mind. And, and that's mm -hmm. going to come up here uh, right at the top of the next uh, paragraph. And, and also the other thing, too, right, we don't want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. Mm -hmm. We all have sex problems. This is not about moralizing or judging. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just another inventory like the two before it. Here's all my stuff. Again, it's not about the sex act. It's about the relationships, right, and the manipulations and the way we took advantage or, I don't know what the opposite of taking advantage is, self-deprecating, you know, in gender roles or things like that. All that stuff, right? And then <clears throat> same columns are going to be generally the same as we're going to see here. Okay. All right. We reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Our Where have own we been selfish? conduct. Yes, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where have we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Similar questions that we've asked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. And I think what we, what we read, where were we at fault and what should we have done instead? That's kind of like the Joe and Charlie thing. Maybe I'm wrong on that, mm -hmm, David. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But mm -hmm. it's that fifth column kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm. how could I have done this differently? And it's a good way to look at that to find out how I could have done any of this stuff differently. And I know today it was because of free will, self-will, run riot. That's what it was. It was just inconsiderate of other people today. And, uh, you know, um, the sex inventory, when I look at it, I think of the act when I hear it today because it's 2021. Is again, it's not what this is about. It's not. It's, it's about personal relations. So in that final column or the final columns, we can go to you know an expanded four or four and five. The kind of words that are going to go in there are, you know, selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, right? And dishonest when we're talking about manipulation, right? Those mm -hmm. are hand in hand. It's so, also selfish. <laughs> yeah, that's you're absolutely right, Nance. So selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate. Whom did we hurt? So that's sort of, you know, in the expanded fourth column or fifth column that we can use for the eighth step, you know, and then in addition to selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, did we unjustifiably arouse? So words like jealousy, suspicion, bitterness. It's telling us exactly here the options, guys, to write down. Where were we at fault? It's really going back to whom did we hurt, right? What did we do wrong? What should we have done instead? Got it down on paper and looked at it. So what's mm -hmm. this saying? The people, right? Mm -hmm. My role, these words. 
same layout. There's a little bit of tweaking, and that's why we work on this with the sponsor to help guide it to slightly different than the, than the fear and the resentment. Sort of layout, but, but only slightly, guys. And all the words we need to do are in here. I think, too, somewhere in between that paragraph and this, it's good to bring out the idea. You know, a lot of times we go into relationships thinking, what am I looking for in a relationship? And this is a good spot to kind of turn this around and think about what do I want to bring to a relationship? What kind of person do I want to be in a relationship? Because most of us never looked at that before. You know, we look at what we want the other person to be to make me feel complete. And that's selfish. That's a selfish motive. So if we start looking at it from the other perspective of what can I bring to a relationship? It's a huge change in thinking. You know, why, why are we told uh, ad hoc, don't get into relationships, right, when you're early in recovery? Well, because we have this history, right, of doing it all the wrong way. And working the steps is, is you know, and having spiritual awakening, we're going to figure out with God how to do it better. You know, once we are better ourselves, then we can be better with somebody else. Absolutely. A prayer that I say every day. Um, and it's something that Judd and I, my sponsor, he, he kind of brought it to my attention. So I pray to God every day to take the things that are blocking me of being service to my wife. You know, this is a different way to live. You know, it's not about my, my motives are all, I always have underlying motives for everything and I can't see them. So this is when I'm asking God to take these things that are blocking me to be of service to my wife. You know, she's starting her own business. You know, the kids are all grown up now. Changes have taken place in her life. Instead of what David needs, it's about what can I, what God, take the things that are blocking me so I could be of service to my wife. I want to talk about a healthy relationship now. That's God all over that. That is nothing. I am just a, a pawn, a part of that thing that he utilizes me for that. And it just feels right. Is that, that feeling inside of that God consciousness. I'm aware of it. It's, it, it's just, it's um, I need to be unblocked. I, I need the things to unblock me. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our ideals and help us live up to them. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Another prayer there, we ask God to mold our ideas mm -hmm. and help us to live up to them. Mm -hmm. Sex prayer. Mm -hmm. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm, provided that we do not bring about still more harm in so mm -hmm. doing. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. There's one, there's one of those musts that Bill likes to slip in there. <laughs> we must be willing to make amends when we have done our harm. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Yeah, and I just have a little arrow for God alone can judge our sex situation back to higher on page 69. Mm -hmm. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. 
right? No, that's God's job. Side issue. <laughs> Suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Does this mean we're going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but that is only a half truth. It depends on us and our motives. If we are sorry for what we have done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we will be forgiven and will have learned our lesson. If we are not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. Mm. We're not theorizing. These are the facts of our experience. So there's a condition, if we're sorry, Mm-hmm. And then here's the death threat, the death sentence. If we're not right, sorry, yeah. <laughs> and our conduct <laughs> continues to harm us, we're quite sure to drink. Again, yeah. behind yeah. these mm-hmm. things are a drink, guys. I am not immune to picking up a drink again. You know, I, we've had witnesses in Alcoholics Anonymous a long time, people that are sober for many 24 hours. They may not pick up a drink, but if they continue behaving this way, the same way they're doing, pride may not let them pick up a drink. But what about a gun? What about a noose? Yeah. You know, you know, this is our truth, man. And the facts are out of our experience. I got to try to live my life honestly today. I'm starting to learn right from wrong. You know, my sponsor, Tom F., when he was my sponsor, says, dude, you have an ability to always know the wrong thing to do. Just start doing <laughs> the opposite of that. <laughs> Just do the opposite of that. and You'll be okay. <laughs> Here's some more praying. Mm-hmm. To sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity, and for the strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. It takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the end of the sex inventory. Any questions or comments on that? Good. Talk to your sponsors about it. Right. <laughs> so let's, let's look up the word. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I got a question. Um, hi, I'm Ruth, and I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Ruth. Um, Ruth. So I like that last line that Nancy, that we read. Um, when I first read that, that's something that really stuck with me is um, if sex is the more troublesome then we throw ourselves into um, helping others. Is there any other uh, advice that you guys could give? Or maybe some other place in the big book that I could read about that? Well, This is really mostly what it says about sex. Um, yeah, but it's but, a lot of time about working with others. Well, yeah, I was going to say that that's that's a that's a nod to chapter seven, right? Which the first mm-hmm. line practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking is intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail, but it, I don't need just um, immunity from drinking, right? I need immunity from self, right? I need immunity from dishonesty and fear and all these other things we keep talking about. So. Do I want to get better? Do I not want to be stuck in my shit? Whether it's sex relations or anything, other things that plague me, get the fuck out of myself and go help somebody else. Right. And I always say to newcomers, right. If you're back for your fifth meeting, go talk to the dude who's there for his first meeting. Cause he's not going to be able to relate to me having just celebrated 17 years. But if you're like, man, I've been here for five days or I've been here for five weeks and it's really fucking hard, but I keep coming back. 
that's relatable to the newcomer. Right? That is the easiest and most sincere way to do service in my belief. And when I read this the first time, we throw ourselves harder in helping others. That does not mean that I got X amount of years of sobriety and a pretty good new girl walks in the room that I go help no, go throw myself in helping her. <laughs> that, that is not what that means. Because it says in there that this takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge, imperious, domineering, overbearing, urgent. In other words, it's not in there horny, freaking dude. This thing has <laughs> <Yeah>. got, <laughs> I, honestly, it, <laughs> I've got to get this to God. It, 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 it's got to be, God is a judge of all these things. I'm starting to learn right from wrong. I'm growing a guy conscious here. I, I can't be harming other people and saying I'm, I'm a sober member of Alcoholics, like Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, just saying sorry again is not, does not suffice. Mm. This is about change, complete 180 degree change. I treat people the way I want to be treated today. Why don't we um, wrap up these last couple paragraphs and then we had a, a topic we wanted to bring up to the group tonight too. I just wanted to put one more thing out there too. You know, another place it talks about how we're handling this is where we talk about making amends, except when to do so would bring about still more harm. That means I don't mm. go and look up every ex I ever had. Oh, God. You know, that, that's not what we're talking about here. Right. So, okay. Uh, okay, let's finish it up. If we have been thorough about our personal inventory, we have written down a lot. We have listed and analyzed our resentments. We've begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct, and we are willing to straighten out the past if we can. In this book, you will read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you have already made a decision, that's step three, and a list and an inventory of your grosser handicaps, step four, you have made a good beginning. That being so, you have swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about mm. yourself. 